The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verse number 12, and then we're going to drop down to verse number 14, and then we're going to read verse 27, just three verses, but we'll deal with the whole context. Won't be here forever to do it. The Bible says in verse number 12, for even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Say amen if that's in your Bible. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. And verse 27, now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. You may be seated. This month we're talking about, last month we talked about evolving in the love of God. Um, How many of you were tested in love last month? Nobody got any love tests? I see you, I see you. How many of you passed them? (laughs) less hands less hands keep evolving keep evolving God knows the devil knows who to send your way to test what you've been learning see we forget that God knows what we're God knows what we're learning but the devil knows too you didn't know the devil comes to church did you oh he comes and he says oh you talking about love I see you I'm I'm waiting for you Monday on the job and waiting for you Monday in the marketplace but you will always be tested on whatever the Holy Spirit is teaching. And uh, uh, as I said to the early service, what happens a lot of times is we'll hear the word, but we won't associate it to what happens on Monday or what happens on Wednesday. We, we can't just hear it. We got to carry it. We got to carry it out of this place. We have to carry it out of this day past Sunday morning and take it into what happens on Monday and what happens on Tuesday. And you may just, and the Lord will open up your eyes, and you'll see how what you've been learning can be, how it can be applied uh, in your life. And you'll see the devil coming at you a mile away. And you don't always see him, but when you fill yourself with the word, you'll, you'll see the devil. Uh, you'll see him. And it'll be so apparent to you. It may be your cousin, it may be your husband, it may be your spouse, it may be your co-worker, it may be your wife, it may be uh, your friend, but you'll see, see the devil no matter how he's dressed, no matter how he's adorned, when you fill yourself with the word. And you'll see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's not, that's, that's not talking about in the sweet by and by. When you fill yourself with the word, you'll start seeing God's hand in your life and you'll start you'll stop calling it a raise you'll stop calling it a good doctor's report you'll stop calling it oh look who I just happened to run into you'll stop calling it happenstance you'll actually see God working in your life and be able to identify that that's God have you ever had a that's God moment in your life where you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that, that was God. That was God. That was nobody but, but God. So keep the word. Hide the word in your heart, as the psalmist says. Uh, as we evolve in, the, as, in and as the body of Christ, let me say, first of all, that I'm not talking about the church of Christ. Now, I'm going to say some things that will almost sound heretical 
to those of you who grew up in this tradition. And when I say the tradition, I'm not talking about the gospel. The gospel is not tradition. I'm talking about this traditional environment, this fellowship. When I say evolving in the body of Christ, I'm not talking about the church of Christ commercially. This day and time has commercialized church so much that people identify more with a church than they do Jesus. There are times people have more loyalty to a church and sometimes we speak of Church of Christ in the commercialized way and we, we forget that the, when the Bible talks about Church of Christ, it's not talking about a billboard or a sign or anything hanging up. It's giving an allegory and the word church means called out, right? Church of Christ means, church means called out. So whenever that's used like that, Whoever the writer is, is using that word to show that there's a group of people called out. Whenever the writer uses body of Christ, he's not showing the same thing that he's showing when he says church of Christ. If church ecclesia means called out, then whenever a Bible writer says church, he is wanting to show a called out group of people. Whenever a writer says body, he's not meaning church. He's saying body because he means body and he's intentional about the metaphor that he's using. Say amen if you understand. Body suggests connectivity. And it's possible to call yourself a church and not be a body. It's possible to call yourself a church and not be connected. It's possible to call yourself a church and not be tied together. Because whenever the Bible uses body, it uses member somewhere in the same context. Thus, member doesn't go with church. It goes with body. Say amen if you're understanding this. Listen very carefully. I love your listening. I love your listening. Well, in this chapter, 12th chapter of, 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 of uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with one of the most immature churches in the whole Bible. It's an immature church. I mean, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, they, they start getting attracted to personalities, as we often do. People are attracted to personalities, and uh, they were attracted to personalities. And in this world of social media, people are attracted to personalities. And if you don't have a good sense of self, you'll let people's lack of attraction to you send you into a depression. Because people are more attracted to personalities. And in the first century church, they were attracted to personalities. Some people said, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of this preacher and that preacher. And they were identifying themselves by whoever they heard the preaching of the word from. And in chapter 3, Paul had to tell them, I would feed you with meat, but you can't handle meat because you're still infantile. I have to give you milk, but by this time you should be able to eat meat. Here you are with teeth in your mouth, and still I've got to use a bottle on you. Don't look for it like that, but basically that's what he was saying. Well, it was one of the most immature churches. So by the time he gets chapter 12, he's dealing with some of their personality deficiencies and some of their character flaws. And one of their character flaws was that they were envious, they were self-centered, and they were becoming individualistic. 
I need to tell you that this is a very individualistic society. It's a society now, this is a time uh, in, in, in the world today where people are very so individualistic that they are trying to choose Jesus and have nothing to do with the church. You hear people say it all the time. I hear some millennials, some post, post-millennials, cheek button, post-millennials, they say often, uh, they say, well, you know, I love Jesus and I love being spiritual, but I don't want anything to do, you know, I don't do church. There's a problem with that because when God called us into a body, he called us into relationship not just with himself, but with other people. That's like saying, I do my parents, but uh, I don't have siblings. That's, it doesn't work like that. You don't get to have Jesus and throw away his body. You don't get to say, I'm connected to Jesus, but I don't want have, to have anything to do with his body. Because guess what? Jesus is connected to his body. And if you connect to Jesus, you connect to anything he connects to and anyone he connects to. And because of that individualism, that is very subjective where people say, I do me, you know, I do church, you know, I, I do Jesus and I'm spiritual, but I don't go to nobody's church because churches are full of this and churches are full of that. Uh, uh, these are people that don't understand the purpose of the body of Christ. It's like somebody saying, I, you know, you know, I do supplements, but I don't do hospitals because hospitals are filled with sick people and coughing people and people that are, that are incontinent and people that, you sound like an idiot. You know why? Because that's what hospitals are for. You don't criticize the purpose of the thing. The purpose is why the thing exists. And the body of Christ doesn't exist just so that we can say we go to church and call the church the body. It exists to develop a sense of connectedness so that we are not only connected to Jesus, but connected to one another. Because contrary to popular belief in here, we need each other. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uses this allegory of the body. He says that the body is one, even though there are different members. He's bringing diversity and he's bringing, he's bringing diversity and he's bringing uniqueness together, which means you can be individual and you can be diverse in your individuality, but still be united in Christ. And I want you to see what he begins and what he begins to do with this allegory. Everybody follow. Go to your text. Go to your text. The Bible says in verse number 12, For even as the body is one and yet has many members and all members of the body, uh, of the body though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. I need you to understand that there are three bodies that the Bible talks about. There is the literal body of Christ. There is the figurative body of Christ, and then there is the spiritual body of Christ. Let me help you understand this. Don't you know that Jesus would have done us no good if he stayed in glory? 
John chapter 1 verse number 1 says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 of John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, what, how did God dwell among us? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 5, for sacrifices and offerings thou desirest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. So what God did when he wanted to come and hang out with us and deal with us and put up with us and walk with us and fellowship with us, he came in a body and that body was what he used to save us. How did he use his body to save us? One Friday evening, Jesus hung out on the cross of Calvary, submitted himself to being crucified, submitted himself to being scorned, submitted himself to being whipped and scourged and nails in his hands and nails in his feet and a crown of thorns on his head and pierced in his side. His body was given to save us. That's how God did it. Then before he went on the cross, he instituted something that we know as the Lord's Supper. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. He says, if you eat this flesh and drink this blood, you have life in you. So his figurative body is designed to remind us of our salvation. His spiritual body comes along Uh, Because Jesus still has a body, he dies, goes back up in the glory, and the Bible says he sends his Holy Spirit, and right here in this text, Paul tells the church in Corinth, you are the body of Christ. And just like his physical body was sent to save us, his figurative body was reminding us of our salvation, his spiritual body is designed to keep us saved. Follow me. So when a person says, I do Jesus, but I don't do the church, what they're saying is, I don't mind being saved, uh, as, but I don't want to stay that way. Because he adds all of those who are saved to his body. Are y'all hearing me in here? There was a time you can preach this years ago, and, uh, and people would say amen, it would be based on ignorance. It be based on exclusivity. What I'm saying is, church, the body is necessary. Okay, watch this. The body is necessary. When we read this text, keep in mind that it is virtually impossible to try to read this text and squeeze it into 21st century context. And I'm going to tell you why. Everybody follow me. Today, we do weekends together. Doing church together is a weekend thing. In the Bible times, they did life together. Everybody go to Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Let's go there. I want you to learn, be educated in this house. Amen. This is an education lesson. We'll shout later and we'll scream shout later, but it's time for us to be educated. It's time for us to know better and not just say amen, but to be informed. But I want you to see this in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 46. The Bible says what? And day by day. This is the first church. This is the first church. The Bible says, start with verse 42 first. 
And they were continually devoting themselves. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the apostles' teaching. Read. And to fellowship. Fellowship. To breaking of bread. Breaking of bread. And to prayer. And to prayer. Read. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Everybody kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now 46. And day by day. Watch this. Day by day. Continue, continuing with one mind in the temple. I'm going to show you that they went to church and did life. It said they continued with one mind where? In the temple. Where? In the temple. In the temple. That's your church. They did church. They did weekends together. But look what else it says. And breaking bread. And breaking of bread. From house to house. From house to house. Do you see this? It wasn't just getting together on the weekends. It's impossible to have the kind of unity they had if all we do is weekends together. You don't know me doing weekends together. I don't know you doing weekends together. And so even when we were talking about love, it's premature to really know what you mean when you say you love me if you don't know the me you claim to love. And doing weekends together, I can show my best. We do show our Sunday's best. Every now and then somebody say, oh, I like this person. What you see is what you get. And I know they're talking about character, but don't get it twisted. When I see you on Sunday, there's more to you than on Sunday morning. All I got to do is interview anybody that's doing life with you. And they'll tell the truth. Sometimes the person's sitting right next to you. Okay? And so they, in the first century, did life together. And so watch this. When we read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they were having a hard time, and that's doing life together. Imagine how much more difficult it would be for people that only do weekends together. And you're saying, Brother Preacher, I, I hear what you're saying, and I see it. I see it. It was a lifestyle. They spent time together. That's why, that's, and the reason why today you can, you can be part of a church and still be individualistic is because if you're only doing weekends together, you can get here late, leave early, and think it's just about this scene and this setting and, 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 and never see each other outside of this environment. So the Corinthian church was having it hard, so Paul had to tell them, you're one. Now, now, watch this. He reminds them of their interdependence. Everybody look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Say amen if you understand in this. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse number 15, 14, he says, for the body is not one member but many. But then he says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. Interdependence, not uniformity. God expects us to, watch this, appreciate our own diversity. Everybody doesn't have the same position, but everybody has purpose. Right. Right. 
I'm here to tell you from the person that comes to this church and quietly comes in and quietly steps out, you have purpose. And your purpose is not restricted to this building. Don't get it twisted. We bring a 21st century mentality to an ancient text and we, if we don't are not careful about the context, we'll think they just did Sundays together. No, they did more than Sundays together. And so their purpose was always before them. In other words, they were always interacting with one another. But if all you do is weekends together, then you cram your purpose into this day. And so if you don't get to usher, you'll feel like you don't have a purpose. If you don't get to stand up here, you'll feel like you don't have a purpose because you are taking this text and cramming it into one day a week. But Paul is not talking about on Sundays. He's talking about in life. You have a purpose. Don't be coveting or jealous or envious of what somebody else is doing and what somebody else's ability is or what somebody else's talent is or what somebody else's passion is. God gave you your purpose. Walk in that purpose. I don't care who you are, what side of town you live on, what your background is. If you name the name of Jesus, God has given you a purpose. You don't have to have a position. You don't have to have a title. But just know if you're in the body of Christ, there are no useless parts. Look at verse number 18. What does the Bible say? But now, God has placed the members, each one of them, in wait, the... Wait, wait. Just some of them. But now. But now God has placed the members who? God has placed How many the of them? members, each one of them. So watch this. Each one of them. Brother Hamilton, I don't know the Bible like that. Look at what Paul is saying. God has placed the members, each one of them, right. where? In the body. In the body. Read. Just as he desired. Where he wants them to be. So watch this. When you boycott your purpose, trying to pursue somebody else's position, you bring upon yourself your own loss of significance. And that's in life. When you avoid and you're dismissive of your purpose because you look across the way and you always wanted to be an eye and you're just an earlobe on the body. Or you wanted to be a foot and you're just a cuticle. Let me tell you something. The reason why Paul is using the allegory of a body is because bodies have parts that seem worthless and seem insignificant, but every part of your body has significance. Do research on cuticles. You do research on cuticles, what you'll find is God designed your fingertips to have cuticles at the base of your nail to keep bacteria from going beneath your nail. Which means as little as it is and as often as you go get a pedicure and a manicure to get them cut, those things are useful so that you don't, with all of the bacteria-filled things, you will not touch without knowing it so that bacteria can't seep under the nail and give you fingertip infection. He uses body on purpose. 
Um, I told this to the 8 o'clock service. Carol stepped on my, on my toe uh, yesterday. My wife did. And, you know, I've got this thing going with my feet, and I have to get pedicures. Y'all don't judge me, first of all. Let me say, don't judge me. But I have to, I have to get pedicures. I'm a diabetic, and my, my toenails do this weird thing, and they grow, they grow in, my, in the sides of my toes. And if I don't get that cut, it can trigger off an infection. And if you're diabetic, you want to take care of your feet. And so it's a very painful process. I don't get pedicures because I'm bougie, brother. <laughs> I get them because if I don't, it's a painful experience. Uh, and uh, I got a pedicure maybe a week ago. And just yesterday, my wife stepped on my toe by accident. Okay, don't be mad at her. Watch the interconnectedness of the body. She stepped on my toe, and uh, the person that was with us laughed because she stepped on my left, on the toe of my left foot, and my right foot kicked out. <laughs> no, 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 don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. No, really. Like, she stepped on that toe, and I was like, ah! See, at that point, the pain was so shared that the lady watching didn't know which foot was hurting. Because the right foot reacted to the, to the hurt of the left foot as if it was the right foot that got stepped on. The reason why Paul uses body is because when you operate as a church only, this person can be in pain and it not affect you. When we operate as a church only, doing weekends together, then I can be broken, I can be sad, I can be having the worst time of my life. I can have the worst crisis I've ever been in, and I can be at a place where I'm almost suicidal and nobody detected. But what the Bible says is you are a body. So what happens in a body is there's a sensitivity that exists that will not let you hurt by yourself. Sometimes you sisters have these Bible classes and things and I'll peek in there and five, six people are crying. I don't know who the originator of the pain is. Because when you are a body, the body was so made with nerve endings to where the whole body feels the pain of one part of the body. Well, you say, Brother Hamilton, I, I, you know, I get that, 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 is, a, that is scientific. And, and it, 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 Paul uses body. He says, you are the body of Christ. He says, don't envy one another. Every part, everybody can't be the same thing. You, God didn't give you the same gift as he gave, that he gave somebody else. Be okay with what God gave you. Because whatever God gave you is what he gave you. And nobody can work what he gave you like you can work it. Don't envy or covet other people's gifts. The Corinthian church had spiritual gifts. And some people were being jealous of what this person can do. Because this person can speak, speak in tongues. And that person had the gift of prophecy. And that 
that person had the gift of knowledge and they were going back and forth and Paul had to remind them all of you are part of the body but all of you are not just one member you're several members your only thing that God might have given you is the gift of encouragement where you take your introverted self and look at somebody hurting from afar wait till everybody's gone and give them a word of encouragement because you don't know what that word will do some of you have encouraged people out of taking their own lives and didn't even know it some of you have encouraged people out of feeling low and depressed and didn't even know it just by exercising your purpose in the body when you exercise your purpose in the body the Lord will reap dividends will allow you to reap dividends outside of the body by using your purpose in the body when you fail and neglect your purpose then you neglect your kingdom significance somebody said well you said there are no useless parts because there's always somebody technical here who says you know there's always somebody technical technically there is part of the body technically preacher there is part of the body that has no significance <laughs> that is useless I mean, they still ain't found what tonsils are good for. <laughs> what the appendix is good for. Let me tell you something. If you, do, if you do your research, you'll find that they open back the studies on the appendix. And some doctors and medical practitioners are going back and forth arguing what the, if the appendix has purpose. Some have, have feel like they came to the conclusion that the appendix uh, kind of carries and contains good bacteria. Well, that's, that's inconclusive, preacher. Well, let me tell you something. I'm going to show you its significance. I know, you know its significance because if you get appendicitis, your whole body's going to feel it. Hello? The Bible says there are certain parts that are necessary. Let's, let's look back at this text. I don't want to keep you out of the text too long, but I want you to look at what Paul says, what he says in verse number 22. As I move swiftly, he says, On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant. What is Paul saying? He's saying as the body, not as a church quote unquote, but as the body. He's using this allegory on purpose. He's using this example on purpose because it makes no sense calling yourself a church if you're not connected as the body. He said some are weaker, but he says all of them are necessary. Let me tell you something. Jesus hand-selected his disciples. He was in charge of the guys that would be around him. And he intentionally, deliberately chose Judas, who, by the way, was necessary. You take Judas out of the picture, and you tamper with all of our salvation. Because even your traitor in the body is necessary. Are y'all hearing this? Uh, so you let one of those parts of the body get infected. 
You, you get tonsillitis, you get appendicitis. I've seen appendicitis bring one of our good brethren down to his knees on his doctor bed. He was a trainer, a fitness trainer, bulky and strong looking. Came into place, he looked like a fitness trainer. Went to visit him in the hospital when he got appendicitis. That little part of the body that they say it serves, it's just not, it's not. Well, they take it out because you don't need it. Well, I tell you what, if it's in there, God put it in there for a purpose. And if you're in here, if you're in the body, he blessed you to be in the body for a purpose. I, I'm not talking right now to people that are apparently active. I'm talking to those of you, and you know who you are, who come and go. You enjoy attending. You enjoy coming for whatever reason you were invited. If you've named the name of Jesus, God says, I saved you on purpose, and I gave you a purpose. Well, what is my purpose? You often find your purpose somewhere hidden beneath your passion, somewhere hidden beneath your ability, somewhere hidden beneath your personality, somewhere hidden beneath how you interact with others. Your purpose will always have something to do with somebody else. If you didn't have a body and you were just a hand, you would be an unemployed hand. If you did, there were no other bodies, you, would, that you wouldn't have significance. Your significance is in your purpose, not in your position. Because it's possible for you to have a position that is outside of your purpose. And we know this on our jobs. Those of you who have to help the person who is your superior know what their title suggests they know. Don't get upset because you don't have the position. Understand that purpose is more powerful than position. Position has to depend on purpose. And if you are in the body of Christ, you have a purpose. Some of you need to find your purpose and evolve in it. Find your purpose. Well, my purpose is, you know, I want to do hair. I, and I didn't say find an ability. I mean, you can be, with, you can be completely clueless. And uh, Well, my purpose is, you know, to, your purpose will always have to do, your God purpose, write this down if you need to, will always have to do with how, two things, how God uses you to advance the kingdom and how God uses you to help others. If it's, if it's, watch this, if it's how God uses you to make money, that's not it. And we live in an individualistic society that's about getting paid and making money so that they can come up. At the end of the day, if you're not helping somebody else come up, you're not operating in your purpose. 
If it's all about you, you are living individually and you are missing out on your significance with God. God raises you up to raise somebody else up. There was this guy named Joseph whose brothers threw him in the pit and he moved from the pit to the prison to the palace and at the end of it all, it said, he says, you meant it for harm. But God did what? Meant it for good, but no, no, no. He meant it for good that I might save you. So what's your purpose in the kingdom? Are you just doing weekends? Are we just doing weekends together? Now, this is a good opportunity. I've got to do this or I wouldn't be the preacher here. So we have Bible class on Wednesdays, Bible study. But if you, you know, we, we, our expectation is that you come, okay? Uh, I don't like giving outs, but I do understand that there's that some of you live way in across town. Some of you li- live way in Oklahoma. We have people here from, uh, you know, Louisiana. I mean, you guys drive from far, and that speaks volumes about how you feel about this place. As a matter of fact, I want to glorify God for those of you who are driving way across the country to be here because some of you are putting gas in your car and you're coming here. So I want you to know that there's a way to do more than weekends together and even if you can't make it to this place. But if you can make it to this place, you know what you do on Wednesdays. You know if all you do on Wednesdays is happy hour. Did, did I, I, I'm not talking about here at the church. I'm talking about what you do on Wednesday. If you do happy hour, right? And please don't act like you don't know what happy hour is. I ain't crazy. All right, no, I can't come, I do happy. Okay, what I'm saying is invest in yourself as a kingdom citizen. And if you can be here, come on out on Wednesdays. We have a great time, Amen? amen? Those are the Wednesday people, right? We study together, we grow together. But if you can't, get with a group of people who live way in Oklahoma where you drive from some point at some point in the week and fuel yourself because when you fuel yourself with the word you're fueling yourself with what it takes to fulfill your purpose and when you neglect fueling yourself then you have to wait to the next available Sunday to hear from God and there's too much going on in the world right now for you to wait till Sunday to hear from God There are too many dangers and too many tragedies and too many traumas to where you have to wait a whole week to hear from God. And if this is the only day you open your Bible, by all means, don't rush God in what he's saying to you. I I say that, and I say that with no remorse, and I do not rescind what I say. It's amazing how timely we expect church to be especially if this is the only time that you hear from God. You ought to try to consume as much as it is until you get mature enough to hear from God on your own. But if this is the only time you open your Bible in the name of being so busy with the job you prayed to God for, that God gave you, were you trying to shame us preaching? It's amazing how sensitive people get when it comes to church. I'm just telling the truth. I'm not up here to make friends or to keep friends or to keep people pleased with me or to make sure everybody's good with me. I don't, I, I, to be frank, I'm going to tell you the truth. People are fickle, and you know that. 
They'll like you today and throw you away tomorrow, shake your hand today and throw you away tomorrow. I, I, I can't do it. I can't do pleasing people. I've got to please God. God is saying, I gave you a purpose and you're living your whole life and you're forgetting about me and you're using what I gave you to get paid. You're using what I gave you to do this and to do that and the other. And when it comes to the kingdom, you bring me nothing. You're the body. I'll end with this. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, when you have neuropathy, usually that means there's not enough blood getting to your, your, your leg. And so what happens is, what happens is the body has to work harder because there's a part of it that's not doing anything. There's a part of the body that just comes and goes. We say invite a neighbor. They don't try to invite anybody. But there's still this expectation that nutrients are supposed to come. And when 80% of the church work is being done by 20% of the members, then this is what's happening with the church. You get the same folk doing the same thing and we get tired because there's part of a church that won't move and almost like an AMC movie theater they come on Sunday mornings to get their thrill and that's it and if I'm not talking about you you shouldn't be offended if everybody comes into their purpose then everybody's purpose will be easier to fulfill. So this is a come to Jesus time. This is a come to Jesus time. I, I want you to think about where you are. Are you fulfilling your purpose? What got you off track? I didn't say are you involved in ministry because I'm going to tell you something. Purpose will find where it belongs. Purpose will find where it belongs. Or have you left your God-given purpose to pursue your own agenda while asking God to finance it? Lord, this is what I want to do. And you pray to him to give you the strength to do what you want to do while neglecting what he's called you to do. It's time to come reel it back in. So this is what we're going to do right now. And you don't have to make a statement. If you're here and you want to get back on your purpose or you just want to find your purpose or you want to do more than just do weekends with God, you, you want to go deeper, come on down. We're going to pray. It's praying time. Maybe you're here and you just want to you just want to grow more. You want to get back to doing the things you used to do. You remember how you, used to, you and God used to be? And this society doesn't help it. Let me tell you something, going on Facebook, looking at a few spiritual quotes is not the same as feasting on the word. It's time. Some of you have lost, some of you and some of us as ministers have lost our zeal and lost our fire. It's a, let me tell you something, you can preach and, and be without zeal. Mountain View, there have been times over this, over this 20 years where I preach and I wasn't there. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. 
I had checked out. I have checked out. I was frustrated. I was tired. I was tired. I felt like I was on a, a bicycle and trying to go somewhere with an exercise bike. You know exercise bikes are not, des are not designed for travel. They're designed for exercise and to exert energy. And I felt like in my life I was exerting energy and it felt like in my ministry I was exerting energy but wasn't going anywhere. Have you ever been in a situation in your life or a period in your life where you're just peddling and peddling and peddling and peddling? You stop and you're right where you were when you first started peddling. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. The Holy Spirit is talking to somebody. It's time to do life with Jesus. Well, if you can do life with Jesus, you can do life as the body of Christ. Everybody stand to your feet. If you need to come down for prayer, come down for prayer. It's that time. It's the come to Jesus meeting. This was a heart to heart. Some hard sayings I know. And we'll get theological. But we got preachers. We got to get away from church being where people get thrilled. This has to be the place where you get changed. Because thrilled and not changed doesn't last past Sunday.